Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another evening, another weeknight, reflecting into uh, the richness of our faith, our Christian and Catholic faith. It is Wednesday, and so we have the opportunity to continue our reflection into the figure of Pope Francis. And so what we've been doing here on Wednesdays is uh, engaging the subject matter uh, where Pope Francis is in the news, and also with that, reflecting into his exhortation, uh, the joy of the gospel. Uh, And I'm doing this with Bob Cross. Bob, it is good to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. Wonderful to be here. So, Bob, today, uh, March 19th, is the Feast of St. Joseph. All right, an important day for uh, for me. (laughs) I like to look to St. Joseph for direction and guide, uh, guidance for sure. And today, uh, Pope Francis offered us a nice reflection on St. Joseph and his Wednesday audience. Every Wednesday, uh, Pope Francis comes out, uh, offers up some sort of reflection, and in doing so, he usually greets different people, different groups that, that come out there, and he, he's made aware of the different folks that are there, and so he recognizes them. Uh, but with this subject matter today, Bob, the Feast of St. Joseph, I thought he did something nice for us. It was just a nice, concise, tight teaching on uh, St. Joseph. And what he did was he took uh, three words or phrases that we have from Scripture, and he says, well, let's look at this. You know, so the first was raising him. Well, what does it mean that St. Joseph, this, this man, raised the Son of God? Well, we must remember he's divine, but he's also human. So he, he looks at this from the, uh, from the aspect of his physical and psychological growth, which I think is so important, Bob, and how this would have been a unique and unrepeatable gift. Uh, you know, he, he teaches him the trade of carpentry, which fascinates me to, to no end. Here you have the carpenter of the universe is being shown the ordinary trade of uh, human carpentry. And it is St. Joseph who does this. And then, of course, we have uh, wisdom. You know, he highlights wisdom. Um, and certainly, he makes the point with wisdom. Scripture reminds us that uh, it starts with the fear of the Lord, that awe-like reverence before God, and how specifically uh, for Pope Francis, Joseph is a wonderful example uh, of this loving authority that represents so beautifully God's fatherhood. Uh, he made note of the importance of Joseph, training him up in scriptures, accompanying him to the synagogue. We cannot overemphasize enough, Bob, this human element uh, that really puts a focus on the person of St. Joseph. He was an ordinary person who was called to, <laughs> to a profound vocation to raise the Son of God. And lastly here, he looked at grace, making note that Luke reminds us that grace fell upon him. 
So certainly he would lean upon the gifts of God, God's grace, arguably like no other. You know, Bob, it is a fascinating thing for me to think about how Joseph would have interacted with, well, perfection. I mean, think about it. You're at a dinner table, and to your left in the Blessed Virgin Mary is perfection, and to your right is the Son of God, perfection. I mean, what does that look like? You know, maybe, maybe Jesus, as as a young lad, uh, spills his soup. I don't know, and you know, Mary says, "Well, take care of that, would you?" And he looks at her and says, "Well, what? You're the one who's perfect. <laughs> you know, what, you what does that look like? It looks like humility. Humility. I mean, how does he pray? You know, we pray, Lord, help us. You know, lead us to truth." How does he pray with the incarnation of truth to his right and the perfection of truth to his left? And what does that look like? This is a fascinating thing to me. Yeah, he needed grace. Grace needed to fall upon him. Grace upon grace, as we read in the Gospel of John, would have needed to fall upon this man. And certainly he would have received it uh, with with gratitude and, and humility. Yeah, you mentioned the dinner table. I mean, you know, just every day routine you know um being full of grace with grace all around him is his wife full of grace and as you mentioned the son of god you know, grace was you know abounding yeah uh, in yeah. that in that household and uh, it's easy to see how you know joseph is always almost synonymous uh, or likened to you know even just the word humility and you can understand why yeah <laughs> yeah well and it's funny as, as you speak to that that joseph here he is a human being, you know, he's not perfect. Uh, he, I think, was the first to say, yeah, where sin arises, grace abounds all the more as it literally enfolds him in, in everything that he does. Uh, but it doesn't take away, I think, from really the, the human element um, of what he was called to do, the task that was before him, to train up Jesus um, as, a, as a man of God in its, in its human element, uh, it, it's it's a beautiful thing to reflect upon this. I and mean, what does it mean to be a foster father? What does that mean? It's rich. It, it, you know, Joseph would have challenged Jesus. He he would have you know encouraged Jesus to to stretch himself um, in in this particular trade that he was training him in. Um, and we we need to appreciate this. And certainly, Pope Francis was recognizing that today, Bob, and and, and in that. He, he called out, I love this today, he, he called out to the fathers, he says, fathers, raise your hands. You know, and I gather there must have been a few fathers raising their hands because then he said, come on, fathers, raise your hands, you know, and then more uh, hands are raised. And then he said, be great dads. I love that, you know, be great dads. Here you have huh, the spiritual father telling all of these fathers to be great spiritual fathers and, and use Saint Joseph as your model and what it means to be a great dad. One rooted in humility, one rooted in justice, this great virtue of justice, which is really a virtue in the Greek, you know, of holiness, but one that is also practical. One that rolls up his sleeves and works in the tall grass. One that sees the need to look at each and every day as an opportunity to stretch yourself to be the best version of who God is calling you to be. You know, as dads, Bob, we're both dads. We're challenged. We're 
challenge to do better each and every day. And in doing so, that we might learn from the figure of St. Joseph. And be mindful that uh, no one human being had to walk with greater humility than that of uh, St. Joseph. Now, and it's, it's easy to understand why the world is drawn to this man. I mean, because his message is always very on point, number one. Um, and number two, it, it's, it sounds simple to begin with, like age, wisdom, grace, his, his message today. You read it, it takes you two minutes to read, you know, the essence of, um, of what he had to say in that respect. But then you really stop to think about what age, wisdom, and grace actually means and, and look a little deeper into what that represents as he relates to St. Joseph in the feast day. And then uh, what his overall general message is about, you know, our own roles as it relates to a Christian life and a Christian vocation. But, you know, that, that, that call for evangelization, that, that call of, of joining the gospel, of living deeper, growing deeper, moving deeper into our faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, I, just, I just loved, loved to see, you know, the world and the way the world is just so drawn to him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, pop culture, uh, the, uh, the, the, the sometimes fickle news media that is always looking for chinks and flaws of just, they just can't get enough of, of Pope Francis. So it's, it's just wonderful to see. And as we've noted before, Bob, it's an opportunity to talk about um, the church. It's an opportunity to talk about the faith. You know, whatever the, the motives may be from the secular media, the drive-by media, whatever the motives may be of pop culture when they talk about Pope Francis, nonetheless, it's an opportunity to talk about the faith. And I think that's really what we need to be honing in on. I mean, who was there today? Russell Crowe. Whatever his agenda may have been, maybe he showed up at the Vatican to promote Noah. You know, get on the good side with all the Catholics. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever his agenda was, whatever his motive was, the bottom line is God is going to use it because it's given us the opportunity to talk about the faith. You know, people are talking today about Russell Crowe being there. His text, Chow Roma, you know, the eternal light grows deeper in my heart. And he sends out a tweet to, to the, uh, the Holy Father. It's an opportunity to, to talk about this, you know, and certainly with these two figures, Pope Francis and you know, as, as, re- as a representative of the Catholic Church, and of course, um, Russell Crowe as a representative of pop culture, you know, why was he there? What is he promoting while well, this movie Noah? You know, I've, I've gotten a few phone calls and a lot of people, Joe, what do you make of this new movie? Well, I haven't seen the movie, but p- to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to get caught up in how exact it is with Scripture, because the bottom line is, that movie is going to have us going back and reading Genesis chapters 5 to 9 that accounts for the story of Noah. That movie is going to have us, Bob, talking about Scripture. That movie is going to have us talking about the faith, which for us, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And on a more personal level, I would say, allow the story to evangelize your imagination. This has been kind of the theme recently. You know, a... a, a great line from Blessed John Paul II, the need to evangelize the imagination, this faculty of the soul. Let, let these images evangelize the imagination. And in doing so, 
Yeah, encourage that discussion. What about Noah? What are its underlying themes in the story of Noah? You know, let's talk about the innocence. Let's talk about the, the proud. Let's talk about these things. What does that mean? Yeah, I know it's easy to get locked into the details, but allow it to become an opportunity. Allow it to be something that builds up, not breaks down. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, that opportunity you're talking about is, is again, um, somebody who has no idea whatsoever about Scripture at some point is going to get drawn into a conversation, a little bit of tugging at that curiosity. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit reaching through that conversation that they may be directly or indirectly a part of to go find out just what it says in Genesis. You're absolutely right, Joe. And it's, you know, and I've heard it criticized because it's not accurate to the way that some people like to interpret Scripture. And we've talked many times about how to interpret Scripture yeah. in this, this, this program. But, uh, you know, the point is, is that, yeah, um, just even discussing, discussing whether it's accurate or not in any one person's opinion is discussion. Well, yeah, and ultimately God is going to use anything and everything at his yeah. disposal, the Holy Spirit, to bring a deeper sense of truth. And if it is inaccurate, I don't know, I mean, I haven't seen it. Let, let the discussion be about how to interpret Scripture. See, it creates an opportunity you know, and this really lies at the heart of, you know, the, the new evangelization and what this document is we're talking about, because it's engaging the culture and where they're at and bringing them in. What's so fascinating about this is the culture is now coming to Pope Francis. So this is why it's become such a wonderful opportunity. I mean, in so many ways, <laughs> Bob, we can speak to this and we can maybe distill uh, this great truth to say the Pope is the church's town clock. You know, yeah, in the old days, you know, they would build the town clock. Everyone looks at it. Everyone, everyone is made to see, you know, where that town clock is. Right in the middle of the town square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And essentially, this is the Pope. And it, he's aware of this. He's not putting on a show. It's not some sort of ostentatious showy display. He is who he is. We've talked about that before. And God is using who he is uh, for the greater glory of God and to encourage the discussion, the discussion of how to evangelize. So that being said, let us turn to uh, Bob, paragraphs 19 to 23 in this work of the joy of the gospel. And really what lies at the heart of these opening paragraphs, uh, the beginning at the beginning of chapter one, is that the church exists for evangelization. And Pope Francis embodies, as we're talking about this, it's striking because he embodies his own words. He says, we need to understand that every step and every word is watched and recorded, that we need to embrace the reality of the vocation that God has given us. And here, as we're talking about this, I mean, this is what Pope Francis embraces. And we can collectively say, so have the last, you know, six, seven popes. I mean, they've, they've all done a beautiful job of this, really preaching the gospel in both word and deed. Uh, so with that, he, he emphasizes those words of Christ in these opening paragraphs. You know, Bob, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, as he emphasizes that the church exists for evangelization, he does so by saying we need to go forth. And he, then he highlights from the beginning of time 
how we have seen this going forth. Abraham, go forth. Moses in Exodus 3.10, go, I send you. Jeremiah in 1.7, to whom I send, you shall go. The church itself, as we say it exists for evangelization, the word, Bob, ecclesia, is to, it means to call out, to call forth. The word itself points to its missionary identity. And as individual believers, as sons and daughters in Christ, we are to sink deeper into this truth and get out of our mind and extract from the heart this idea that we are to privatize religion. Religion exists for other, right? And so he's establishing this uh, truth for what it is as a foundation for how we are to better understand what it means when we use this phrase, the new evangelization. Well, and you know, Pope Francis, being a Franciscan, and you know, anybody, every, for those of you that are not aware of, you know, the vows of poverty, poverty, and you know, Saint Francis himself, and the way that you go forth to make disciples of all men's and nations, not to just slam it down their throats either. I mean, sometimes evangelization has kind of a negative connotation to it. You know, people are thinking, oh, somebody's going to beat me over the head with religion. You know, but this is a pope who is calling us out to show what it is that we have as Christians to go forth and, and, and with poverty and humility demonstrate what it's like to really truly be a loving child of God. Yeah. That is a stronger evangelization than any amount of browbeating or hitting over the head somebody yeah. with, with, with uh, chapter and verse. Yeah. Yeah, and as you see, he's actually a Jesuit, but a, oh, a Franciscan sorry. spirit. No, no, sorry. but but a point to be had there because he's a Jesuit, but you say he's Franciscan, and that's what we think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Certainly because why he's taken the name of Pope Francis, mm-hmm. not not the Jesuit scholar and missionary, You're right. but the Franciscan. And what's important about this, I highlight this, Bob, because really, as you say, he's Franciscan, in his heart he is, and that's why he takes up his name. So maybe a Freudian slip there, but maybe. nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it really highlights the point because, A, the Jesuits were, were the missionaries, okay? Right. And certainly the Franciscans were and are too. Uh, but the emphasis is what it means to be poor in spirit. The emphasis is the first beatitude, that we would embrace this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, um, a verse that we have talked about so much, that he himself em- embodies and calls us and challenges us, Bob, to do the same, to ultimately embrace this. His first full encyclical, guess what it's on? Poverty and evangelization, which stirs my own heart because that was my own emphasis in research for my dissertation, but poverty and evangelization, which is Pope Francis, which is rather the Franciscan community and the, the, the Jesuit community, ultimately, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. So, um, he wishes to to take this on and for us to appreciate it for what it is. And in doing so, Bob, I love what he does here in this, doc- he, this document. I'm going through these paragraphs, 19 to 23. He says, to really fulfill this commandment, we need to go forth out of our own comfort zone. Out of our own comfort zone. I think this is the great challenge. And there isn't anyone who is not challenged by this because we all have our comfort zones. We all have those places that we like to go to, Bob. You know, and 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 when we go to those places, we can fall asleep in this 
the spirit of complacency. And he's telling us to you know, get out of that, you know, to remove yourself from that and to go forth, to go forth. He makes the point in, this, in these paragraphs to go from one town to the next, go from one group to the next, plant that seed and move on, let the spirit work, which I love because it really highlights that, you know, the great uh, tomato stand principle, as I think we've talked about it before, Bob, you know, you're, you're on a highway and you see a tomato stand and you look at the tomatoes and, you know, a big tomato stand, you, you say to yourself, wow, those look pretty good. And you, you know, you drive another five miles and, and, and maybe you're on, you're on uh, I-5 and you're, you're heading through Bakersfield and you see another tomato stand. Oh, wow, those look pretty good. 15 miles down, you, you see a fifth tomato stand and you're buying the whole tomato stand because they just look so good. You know, this is what we need to do. We need to be tomato stands. You know, I call it the tomato stand principle because really what it is, it's about planting seeds and allow the spirit to work. And we might not see, Bob, the fruit of our discussions, the fruit of, of how we might bring our Lord to other people. And at the same time, the Lord is always working on us. Um, but that's okay. We don't need to see it. We need to be humble enough like that of St. Joseph to ultimately to know that it is enough that I'm just planting seeds and that he's calling me on to something else. And this is important to, to, to really understand and, and why it's so important to evangelization. Because if we're so focused on seeing the fruit we bear, then why are we doing what we are doing? You know, it is enough that we in our living relationship with Jesus Christ, we come into contact with, with different folks and different communities, plant that seed and, and move on. It, that, that is enough. And if people come back to you and you want to talk about the faith, great, great. But don't be bound to it. And it's, it's funny because, you know, curiosity really comes from, you know, something that someone can't quite understand. And if somebody's joyous and if they feel strongly uh, 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 and, and, and through their acts and through their, through their humility, um, demonstrate, you know, something that's unique and rare in today's world. That there's so much, hey, look at me-ness going on out there. Um, it's, uh, it even has more of a powerful impact, I think. You know, and the way that we live and the examples that we give with our lives and our actions, especially during Lent when we're called to give alms, we're called to prayer, and you know, called to charity and penance, all the things that we try to do all the time, but especially during Lent, are the things that you know, are going to have very, very quietly a much, much greater effect than anything we can do when we go out and demonstrate you know, how wonderful we are. As Christians, as Catholics. Yeah, and you know, as we talk about this, Bob, you know, that's a good point. And as you use the word quietly, that is where the Holy Spirit meets us, in the quiet. You know, often, um, you know, we, we engage in these conversations, and, and they might be evangelical or they might be um, you know, catechetical. Uh, you might not see the response on the outside, but there's something going on in the inside. And I, I don't know about you, Bob, but I've talked with a lot of people on this, and a lot of those people that I speak with talk about how they like to do thing on, do things on their own terms. You know, maybe it's read a book, maybe it's listening to a CD, maybe it's listening to a podcast. I don't know, but they like to meet God 
in their own time. And God does meet them there, you know, because they're not then bound to respond or they can, maybe we can say they can uh, respond to what they're hearing or what they're listening to in their own way, however it might look on the outside. I mean, I've talked with people who have come into the Christian Catholic faith and they've just said, you know, yeah, it was tapes, it was it was books, and, and, and I can have that one-on-one encounter with God, and it was just between God and I. So sometimes planting that seed might be just, hey, here's a CD, hey, uh, here's a book to read, you know, and, and allow God to work in that quiet moment. I think that's really important for sure. us to understand. Oh, yeah. Because when you talk about evangelization, it's always the Holy Spirit that is the protagonist to evangelization. It's always the Holy Spirit who in the gift that God has given us is going to guide and instruct and bring us into the fold of, of that uh, inner life of the Trinity. And so uh, we have to be present to that. There's a tendency sometimes in our conversations to say, come on, understand it, or come on, get it. You know, we have to say, it's okay. It, it's okay. Plant that seed and do your best to plant that seed. And then allow the Holy Spirit to work. Allow the Holy Spirit to be the water and the sunshine, you know, to let that, that seed bloom. Yeah, and, you know, in, in Pope Francis's writings, you know, it's, he just keeps coming back to joy. You know, evangelis- evangelize- an evangelizing community is filled with joy. You know, I mean, that's just, just so wonderful to really think about and to actually think about as you let it just sort of sink in. It knows how to rejoice always, he follows that sentence up with. And it celebrates every small victory, every step mm-hmm. forward in the work of evangelization. Small steps, mm-hmm. quiet steps, mm-hmm. steps of humility and grace. Yeah, and that's, that's what's beautiful about the way that he describes some of this joy of the gospel. He really uses joy as the golden oh, yeah. thread throughout this whole document. I, I love this. I'm looking down, too, at the document, and he's talking about how you know, Jesus felt this joy when he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and praised the Father for revealing himself to the poor and the little ones. Um, it was felt by the first converts who marveled to hear the apostles preaching in the native language of, of each uh, on the day of Pentecost. Joy is a sign of the living God. Right? And this is why he, he really revisits this great spiritual fruit. Um, and ultimately, it is this great spiritual fruit that uh, encourages and enables us to, to plant that seed, uh, which I think is just so important. Whatever we do, wherever we go, you know, as he puts it, certainly uh, this is what lies at the heart of this document. And with that, Bob, I'm looking at our clock, our time's up. Uh, yeah, this time goes by fast. Let us <laughs> let us wrap up in prayer. We'll we'll pick up with uh, more of uh, Pope Francis next week, taking up the, these next few paragraphs, and who who knows what he's going to say or do in these next seven days. I think that's what makes Pope Francis exciting. <laughs> let us close. Friend, in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. been listening to Seeds of Truth, 
Heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.